Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in. I just want to pop in here for a second before we get started with the show and just say the Patreon is live. So if you want to go over there and hang out with us on the Patreon, building that community, that's patreon.com backslash uh, conscious environment creation. So patreon.com backslash conscious environment creation. And over there we have promo codes for the bonfire site so you can get a little bit off on your merch, whatever you want to grab over there. But we have behind-the-scenes footage. You guys can vote on different topics. If you want to be the producer level, you can actually just have whatever you want me to make a podcast about within reason, and I will make it. So let's let's hang out together. I can't wait to keep building this community with you. All right, on with the show. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Conscious Environment Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, guys. I am super excited because this week I got a chance to sit down with E.K. Powell, a.k.a. What's Good English. And he is a linguist that does videos and different content on Black English. And he talks about whether or not it is a language. Spoiler alert. It's definitely a language. So we get a chance to sit down and just kind of hash out what's the differences between black English. Like what makes it a language? What makes a language a language? What's a Creole? What are different dialects? What do all these words mean when it comes to this stuff? So I hope you guys enjoyed the conversation because I had a great time sitting down with him. Yeah, so let's just uh, start it off. What's your name? What do you do? And how can people find you? Um, yeah, so E.K. Powell is the name. Um, I go by What's Good English on my socials. Uh, so that's TikTok, um, Instagram, and YouTube. Um, and I talk a lot about language stuff. Um, I sort of expanded into doing like more types of content just because it's better for me, like better for me and my mental health to like not only focus on like that one little area and it, it's more fun that way as well. Um, Cause like, I don't know if you've seen like some of my recent stuff, I'm talking like more about like masculinity and stuff like that. Um, also stuff about like language learning in general, like I'm super passionate about like learning new things, especially languages, um, learning French right now. Um, and like, I started that whole new series, uh, where I just talk about a different like show that you can use to help you learn whatever language you're trying to learn, um, every single week. So I've been doing that since the start of the year. It's super fun. I got to put together, uh, those episode actually after this. So it should be uh, pretty cool. Um, but yeah, uh, pretty much anything about language and you might see some other random stuff. Awesome. 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 Yeah, that's that's how I came across you almost a year ago now, probably just about a year ago now, because I started in February last year. Um, and as I was just, you know, perusing the app, I I found this guy um, and it was a really eye opening like moment for me because I was at the time I was reading Talking Back, Talking Black. Um, by John McWhorter. Do you know the Do you know that book? Yeah, I've read that one a couple times. Yeah, so I yeah, was. Yeah. Um, I've read it like at least two or three times. <laughs> yeah, so I was I was in the middle of reading that book and having basically an existential crisis, <laughs> and then I was coming across <laughs> uh, uh, your videos and some shows videos, and I was like, "Whoa, hold on! Like, there's." 
there's grammar behind like this is real like it it really it was just really validating um to realize that like I didn't speak wrong or I wasn't yeah. um I, like I wasn't uh, incorrect my whole life and and things that I did or the way that I talked uh, when I was a kid that I kind of like beat out of myself to conform to people, you know, basically to avoid getting bullied. I, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, I'm watching a video that you did and I'm like, wait, that has a name for like, there's a reason why I say it like that. And there's a name for it. And there's this. So, uh, you yeah, know, early on in the app and parts. yeah, there's a lot, there was a lot of just like dot, um, you know, just validating things that that you had said that I think a lot of people in the black community have a similar experience, especially when it comes to black English. So we oftentimes talk about like black English or AAV. And I guess I'll ask you, which phrase do you want to use? Is it different in your opinion or not? Like is black yeah, English yeah. different from um, AAV? Um. Like to me, so all right. So I actually had this conversation about like the official term, like what should we be calling this with um, a speech, uh, a speech language pathologist, uh, Doctor Diana Hearn. Um, actually, uh, there's like a super. I think it's like an hour long interview that I did with her. It's up on my YouTube channel. You can see it. Um, but the official term is African American English or African American language. So like it sort of removes it removes the vernacular entirely because like Af- technically african-american english and african-american vernacular english are like two different things it's like vernacular mm. is just like pretty much just like the way that a specific person is speaking the language what and everything but like african-american english is like specific to like this this thing that exists that is black english or whatever but like don't get on anybody for using whatever terms you want to call it, you know, African American English, African American vernacular English, AABE, Black English, you want to call it Ebonics, whatever. Like, I mean, the like, it's still referring to, like, in the general, you know, person's mind, like, it's referring to something specific. So, like, I'm not going to get on somebody for not knowing the technical term <laughs> if, you know, they're not, you know, involved in, like, the in the field or anything like that. They're not doing any of the study or anything like that. It's better right. that you know it and you respect it, you know, than you calling it by whatever, like, the, the technical people want to call it. Yeah, through different academic things that I've read, I've... I've literally just seen it both ways. I've seen all three of those in different papers, and I was like, I mean, it's kind of whatever, sort of a whatever you're feeling at the time. But I had thought that I'm glad that you had pointed that out. So what is, like you said to that you were taking out vernacular out of that. So it would be AAE, right? African-American yeah. English. Why? What is vernacular? Because I maybe so, I don't understand what that word means. So vernacular is just like the way I describe it. it it's just the way it's just the way that you specifically express yourself. Like the words, like mm. that you use specifically that are that are specific to you and how you express yourself. Like my vernacular can match someone else's vernacular, you know, or it can be mm. like really similar to someone else, but like. It's like it's just us like out there, like, you know, expressing our ourselves. Whereas when we talk about African-American English, we're talking about like 
a huge, a, a much bigger umbrella, like along the lines of things that appear within all these different variants that is, you know, Black English, African American English. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, vernacular English, it, whatever. Yeah, in whatever way it would be like a personal thing and then aae is like the big umbrella the big tent yeah yeah that's okay. the sort of how i rationalized it within my way of thinking there's probably someone else <laughs> like that could say actually vernacular is something else but like part of it is like all language is vernacular there's a vernacular element to whatever language you're speaking so like the vernacular doesn't need to be there because, like I said, all languages vernacular. It's just you're it's right. adding something specific to like a person or like a really like small group of people when you're adding that vernacular in. So, how do you refer to English? Like, so I've heard standard English as a term, yeah. um, but I haven't heard, I, I guess, much like anything anything different. Um, so, is is standard English? the the cor- the correct terminology for so like a, everything yeah, else i don't I, even know how to <laughs> phrase what i'm trying to phrase like what black people no, no, don't I speak know, <laughs> I know what you're about. so like i i stopped using the term standard english like if you go through like like you'll see um early on i started using or excuse me early on i was using standard english and then i stopped using it like about a year and a half ago and i just always either say like general american english mainstream american english or i'll just say american english like um because like there's there's an idea that there's a standard there's an idea that a standard exists but when people talk about you know standard english or or, or any other language standard italian standard actually it's weird because like the official italian dialect is standard italian like that's what they actually call it so it oh, kind of gets to skate on that technicality um but like you know standard spanish you know whatever like there's the idea of a standard like which is which basically means that oh this is what the people you know this is what the majority of people sound like you know this is what the people on the news and on the tv sound like this is like the like more generally socially acceptable uh dialect or variant of whatever language is what people consider the standard but the thing is the standard is something that nobody speaks like the standard only exists Mm -hmm inside of textbooks you know and that is just because a bunch of people got together and decided okay well this is how this word should be pronounced and this is how this you know uh this is how this sentence should be formed regardless of all the other variations on certain pronunciations and certain sentences and stuff like that and part of the big thing that everybody has to realize is like there's not a standard language from which everything deviates from like there are millions like there are millions of variants of you know like every little language i mean like children do not learn or children do not speak the you know exact same way that you know the their parents speak you know or even like their brothers and sisters that are like closely um uh, in like some of the same age range speaks they all have their own little spin on it it could be like a little microscopic spin but like there are all these different variants of language and like the standard is born out of the variants. Somebody just looks at all these little differences and says, okay, we're going to ignore these differences or a lot of these, you know, uh, variants all say it this way. So that's what we're going to consider as the standard, even though like 
other variants exist, other pronunciations exist, other grammatical structures exist. So right. the standard is born from the variants, not the other way around. Hey, I like that. <laughs> um, so it, from learning honestly through your videos, um, especially like your YouTube page, um, one of the things that you spoke about so I guess I'll, I'll, I'll end up bringing up two things. But the first thing I want to bring up is grammar. So that was one of the first things that I learned from you. And honestly, we're showing like anybody I could all of your videos <laughs> because I was like, our grammar isn't wrong. Like this isn't yeah. slang. There's a reason for it. Like there's uh, there's grammatical laws, uh, right? Or yeah. rules or uh, that that come along with it. So. Between American English and Black English, there are a bunch of differences. Is there anything like off the top of your head that you can think of, like as an example, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. like, oh, these are way different? Yeah. So, like, one of the big differences between African American English and like general American English is use of double negatives, right? Like, in general American English, you know, in the, in the English textbooks that you get in school, they'll tell you that negatives cancel each other out. So, if you say that's not never going to happen, you know, that means that something is going to happen in just regular old, you know, generic English. African American English doesn't work like that. Our negatives strengthen, like, the, our one negative will strengthen the previous negative. So, it's not never going to happen means it's like really not going to happen. <laughs> so. That's, that's one of the differences, you know, and double negatives are a thing in many different languages. Like I'm learning French right now. You have to like double, you have to use a double negative to negate pretty much anything in that language. Um, same thing with Spanish. Like I speak Spanish. You say like no tengo nada, which is I don't have nothing all the time. That means I don't have anything, you know, but the actual like direct translation is I don't have nothing. Um <laughs> It's like that's one. I mean, loads of languages use double negatives in that exact same way, where like the successive negatives strengthen the original negative. Um, another one is, for example, we have a habitual tense in African American English. We can say like, "Oh yeah, they'd be standing on that corner," which means you know they habitually stand on the corner. Like, "Oh yeah, they'd be on that corner at eight. You know, that means you know I look out my window at that corner around eight o'clock. They're probably going to be there. Like, you know, there might be some days where they ain't there, but they most likely are going to be there. And then we have like some extra like stresses and ways to play around with the habitual tense. Um, for example, like I can say, oh, man, they stay on that corner. You know, that means whenever I'm looking out my window, <laughs> oh, he's there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, or I can say something like, oh, yeah, you know, they stay to be on that corner, like trying to. Uh, or actually, no, that's a that's a bad example. What's some? I can say something like, "Oh yeah, man, I'm steady on this French grind right now." So like, steady is like one of my favorite like uses in like the habitual tense because like when you say it, it's got like an implied termination. Like I'm not going to stay. I'm not going to be on this French grind forever, but I'm steady on that French grind right now. Eventually, uh -huh. like I'm gonna get to a point where like I don't need to be grinding it as hard. I will no longer like be you know at that same level. It's got that implied. You know, I don't like I don't stay. I'm, I'm not necessarily staying on the French grind, but I'm steady on the French grind. <laughs> and like people that don't know, it's just like, what the hell is this dude talking about? But like, you know it, you know it. You know, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. that's so funny. Um, it, it, like I I 
you know, read through the comments of like the different there's there's a bunch of different linguists like on on TikTok or YouTube that talk about this topic. And it's funny because I, you know, kind of dive into the comments every once in a while. You know, you don't want to stay in there too long, but dive into the comments. And it's like there's so many people that have no idea what you said. And I'm like, oh, I guess it is like a native language because I I didn't have to translate. I immediately knew what you were talking about uh, the entire time. And it was surprising to me that people didn't know. Like a fun little anecdote from from my life. Uh, and I kind of want you to touch on this, too, is repetition of words. So, like, right. um, <laughs> my, my it was a couple of years ago, my wife was uh, buying a uh, buying a cake for my dad. Uh, for his birthday, and my mom was giving her instructions. So my mom says, get him a chocolate cake. And my wife goes, do you want a chocolate cake or like a chocolate chocolate cake? And my mom still to this day, like, dies telling that story. (laughs) And she was like, a chocolate chocolate cake. And so they got the triple chocolate with the the chocolate chips on it and the drizzle (laughs) on it. But it was funny because we all knew we knew what that meant and i didn't know that that was a thing i was like that's how everybody talk but it's not that's not how everybody yeah. talk so can you explain yeah. i guess like the mechanism that's going on when people use like repetition like that yeah yeah so um it's called epizuxis so that that's the official like linguistics term for like repetition of a word um like it's i keep forgetting if it's like a form of reduplication or it's like something aside from reduplication but yeah so it's like repeating the word twice to like further specify like what you want to like clarify it from like maybe a slang phrase back into you know like the general usage phrase or vice versa um like or to like stress something like yo i want a chocolate chocolate cake like yo that thing better be having like all the chocolate in the world better be on this cake. Any chocolate option they got in the shop, it better be on that cake. Yeah, on that cake, you know, chocolate, chocolate. You know, that's what that's doing there. It's like either enforcing something or like clarifying something, you know, into you know, into something that, you know, we both know. Right, yeah. That's a cake I'd pass on. Ah, no, no, no. You gotta have a double chocolate cake. You do you, you yeah, absolutely yeah, I want do. all the chocolate. <laughs> all all the chocolate. Um, so it, because that our, our grammar is so different and it's, um, noticeably different to American English, I guess at this point, um, it's, it's noticeably different. We often have something called code switching in the black community. Right. So it's like black folk grew up bilingual at this point, like we switch back and forth almost seamlessly. And I was watching a video that you did talking about a Netflix movie. And you, um, I forget what country they were from, but I think it was like an immigrants and uh, yeah. the, the characters were switching in and out of English in their native language. And you were talking about how they were doing it for emphasis or like they were kind of code switching in that moment. So what, what is codes? What is code switching? And do you see it in just black English? Do you see it like all over the world? Like what, what is it? Yeah. So code switching happens all over the world. Um, So 
code switching specifically, just like looking at what is code switching, it's like the basic definition of code switching is just switching between two or more languages or two or more different versions of the same language in a conversation. You know, mm-hmm. so that could be something like where, you know, we go from general English to African-American English. You know, that could be like somebody raised bilingual with English and Spanish going in between English and Spanish, you know, with people that have both of those codes that could be using Spanglish um, mm-hmm. even. You know, it happens all over the world. Um, for example, like if you uh, if you live in like Catalonia, like uh, like that area of Spain where you got like Barcelona and all that stuff. So like the official language of Catalonia is Catalan, but the official language of Spain is Spanish. So there's a ton of people that will switch in between both of those languages, like to either accommodate somebody or, you know, maybe that's just how they naturally grow up. Uh, so the, the show I was talking about in that video was uh, a South African show. South Africa, there's like, I think it's 11 different it's, official languages. Yeah, I, th- like I thought it was even higher, like 18 or 19. It's, it's yeah, something yeah, yeah. very high. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And a lot of people grow up in that, you know, hyper multilingual environment, you know, where, you know, any given person's got like at least three languages under their belt minimum, you know, or more. And you're just switching, you know, from one language to the, to the other language. Like mm-hmm. that's code switching. Um, there are different reasons that people code switch. You know, it could because it, it could be because, you know, you just grow up and it's natural to switch between, you know, a few different languages because that's just how you speak, you know, just like Spanglish, you know, using Spanglish is a form of code switching. It's, it's a funk form of code switching too. There'll be situations that come up where it's like, you can't remember the word that you need to say. So you just like, like turn an English word into a Spanish word. Like I would say like, oh, like, yeah, man, we're just ta- like, estamos talkiando right now. <laughs> you know, like, everybody knows, like, oh, okay, okay, dope, dope, dope. You know, or it can go like another way. Like something I say all the time, like on accident, I'll be like, oh, I got to grab like six or seven videos this weekend. You know, that's like grab, like uh, is from like the Spanish word grabar, which means to record. Like, I don't know how, like, for some reason, like my switches got crossed in my head and like my brain will reach for the Spanish word sometimes instead of like the uh, the English word. But like, that's still a form of code switching. Um, but people also code switch to, you know, uh, aside from trying to accommodate somebody that doesn't have you know, the other code that they could possibly switch to um, because there's some sort of a power dynamic issue. Maybe they want to avoid some sort of stigma that's attached to speaking a specific language or a specific version of that language. Um, or, you know, they think they're going to be judged for doing that or they're, they're trying to, you know, leave a better impression or something like that. And oftentimes with African-American English, that's the form of code switching that we're talking about. So when we say we have to code switch, we're referring to not only the act but also the reason that we're doing that act. But I want to make it clear that like code switching is like just going between like different languages or different versions of languages like in a conversation or choosing to switch from one code to another code to like, accommodate somebody without that specific code. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Um I didn't realize that it was just, you know, honestly switching between the languages. Um, I thought that it was specific to to the same language. But what you said makes a lot of sense. I didn't think about, like, like how Spanish 
comes back to English. Like my uh, uh, a good buddy of mine, he always says, like, do you want to go l- look at TV? Like the sentence, like it kind of hits your ears like a little weird. Like, do I want to look at TV? And he goes, oh, <laughs> and, you know, watch it. Whatever, man. You know what I'm trying to say. And it's like it's it, it's almost like those like wires get crossed yeah. in his head. Like he just kind of direct translating from Spanish in order, um, in order to ask me something. Um, but yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, and I feel like a lot of um, African American English speakers have learned to code switch out of necessity. Um, yeah, and there seems to be a lot of roots in so so some of the things that I've seen or read is that the grammar that we use in African-American English is actually borrowed from other languages because of the time period in which we developed that language. Um, I've, I've always heard like kind of Scottish or, um, uh, or like Welsh or Irish, um, especially with like, if you, if you ever get a chance to, um, it's a little heartbreaking, but if you ever get a chance to listen to the interviews of people who were, um, in the early uh, early 19th century of people who were born enslaved and lived most of their life enslaved they have kind of this strange accent like it's not yeah. it's not a southern accent it's like almost an irish accent and it's yeah, yeah. and it's kind of in between there but um i just want you to speak to that for for a moment like is did we do we borrow rules from from other languages is that how we got here yeah, yeah, most definitely. So uh, I, just, I just recently did a video, like I think a month ago or something like that, um, where somebody had sent me um, a video of uh, this YouTuber that talks about the Irish language. And she mentioned um, in the video that, you know, the habitual be in African-American English and the one in Irish English or that we have ours, like most likely from interactions between like the Irish like servants and and the enslaved Africans in the Caribbean and in the Americas as well, you know, because the Irish language itself has that habitual tense and they sort of hacked it into their version of English called Hiberno English. Um, and, you know, we like we're in close proximity to them and most likely got it from them. And like, like I said in the video and now it's not me saying it as well. Um, uh, Dr. It's like John Rickford, um, which is he wrote like a few books on African-American English. He wrote like the textbook African-American vernacular English. Um, but he said like that is the most likely theory. But also like most likely like not <laughs> like not 100 percent. I mean, because, you know, it's hard to tell. Like you can't go back in time to that one point in history and be like, this is where it happened. Because if you look at a language like Yoruba, there's also a habitual tense in Yoruba. So like it could have been we hacked it ourselves like it's probably but it's probably from the Irish. Um, also like different expressions that we have are from the Irish or or, or from like other um, other languages. For example, um, like in Cockney slang, uh, where you have what is it? Uh, bread and honey means money. Like and then they'll often say like oh I got, I need to get some bread when they're talking about I need to get some money and black folks are talking about oh yeah man I don't got, I don't got no bread on me right now right. You know, for a long time right like you know like it, it's most likely you know from 
some of the uh, some of the poor British folks that were sent over here that because it, that particular accent and that Cockney rhyming slang was associated with you know the lower class folks that would have just been shipped off to the Americas to work and right. do whatever that we were working in more close proximity with. So a lot of what we have like is borrowed and just like you know uh, like put together and has just solidified over years to become what it is now. Um, going back to what I was talking about earlier about all these different variations that we have in the habitual tense, like those variations, mm-hmm. at least to my knowledge, do not exist, for example, in Hiberno English. Like there is not an equivalent of they stay on the corner or something like that. So it's right. like we have continued to, you know, like our version of English has continued refining over the years to be what it is. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you've brought this up a bunch. um, If you do any reading about the language, you often hear this a lot. What's the deal with the word be? Like every time I I hear people be like, that's the big difference. It's the word be. And I kind of get it, but I mostly don't get it. (laughs) So can you? It's it's tough, man. (laughs) It's rough to nail down. I mean, sometimes it means just like, be like sometimes it is just like a sub for is sometimes it's got like extra stuff involved with it like you know sometimes it's got habitual stuff involved with it you know sometimes like sometimes it's the exact equivalent like that's in you know mainstream english like it's a hard one to nail down it's really something that you only really have when the language is in you you know like you don't necessarily have to be a native speaker but like you have to like reach fluency like true real deal fluency just like if you were trying to learn any other language in existence in order to like actually get it right right yeah so uh, yes that's like the one the the one thing whenever there's kind of a sticking point and you you said it earlier that um the habitual tense is unique to as far as like blacking uh, black english versus american english it's unique to black English. Right. 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 And um it, the the writer I was reading was saying like that is like clear indication that this is its own language. It has its own separate grammatical rules that you can't break. And we always hear uh, you you were doing a series for a little while about um it wasn't just like Super Bowl commercials, but it was like commercials. And you were like the, uh, these yeah. people, <laughs> like trying trying to do, trying to do like African American English, and it's clear that you didn't have any native speakers in the room because the the grammar is wrong. Like you listen to it, and you're like, this is there's something there's something wrong with this. But I've also heard African American English called two other things, and I'm curious about your opinion of them. Uh, I think I know the one, but I've heard them call. Uh, I've heard it called slang, and I've heard it called a creel, and I just want your your opinion on on those two. I think I know your opinion on slang, but uh, I'm curious about <laughs> yeah. your opinion on a on it being a creel. Yeah, yeah, clearly not just slang. Um, as far as it being a creel, I mean, yeah. So uh, I think some of the show talked about this some as well. It's like you know, these are like further specifications that you can, they're they're like little adjectives that you can put on a language. 
at the end of the day, it's still a language. Like if you look up Creole, if you look up pigeon, if you look up dialect in the dictionary, all of those definitions start with something like a form of language. Like it's a form of language, meaning it's a language first. And then like we're specifically talking about, okay, well, this language has come about because it's like mixing some elements from this language over here and some, some from this language over here. And then people, you know, started speaking it as, you know, its own like language, like, um, uh, for example, you get a Creole when you have like groups of people that all don't speak the same language coming together and they just sort of make it work and they kind of like fashion, like a way of making themselves understood out of their various different languages. And then those people have children and those children grow up speaking that pidgin language as their native language. And that is right. what becomes a Creole, like English itself is a Creole. It is one of the Creoles of Creoles. Like it started, you know, English and German started like as roughly the same language. And like they both diverged and, you know, people added in a bunch of French stuff and a bunch of Latin stuff and then other stuff from like other communities and stuff like that into English. And it has continued to progress. Like the thing is, like it's so big now that nobody wants to call it a Creole, but that is that it's still fits that definition so and like there's a form of respect when you call something just a language by itself without adding all these extra little adjectives and stuff like that to it um and like normally like i wouldn't really have a problem with it but when people try to say oh that's that's a dialect or something it's like they're trying to take something away from it um when they're trying to say like african-american and english is just a dialect it's like you're trying to cheapen it a little bit so i don't right, particularly yeah. like referring to it as a creole or as a dialect or anything like that like if we want to talk about origins yeah it has like creole type of origins but at the end of the day like it's still a language yeah, exactly. I am still kind of stuck on learning that Creole is a thing, not the name of something. Like, I grew up, grew up in America, and I was like, in Louisiana, they speak Creole. But I'm learning now <laughs> that they speak a Creole, and it actually might have a name. Um, in yeah. Jamaica, they speak a pigeon, but it might actually have a different uh, a, a, a different name or do they is it for those like specific examples is it interchangeable like did, is that what they call it or is there something else like that a, a native listening to this like, would be like come on dude <laughs> <laughs> i mean they they all have that so for example they say like haitian creole i mean like that that's just the name of the language like haitian creole like technically has not been a creole for a long time they've been like that's just the language that they speak over there it, it just has that title right. um so it's like like it's sometimes the title just solidifies and you just have you just call it creole or something like that because like they didn't choose to call it something else or that that title of creole just solidified into it even though it's like at the full-on language stage Right. So it I, I I guess we've already answered like what I was going to, to say. So in the I guess great debate of is African American English a language, we we would say yes, it is its own language. 
Yeah, clearly. It's clearly a language. <laughs> <laughs> it is clearly a language. Like, you know, like you can put whatever modifier you want to on it, but like as I said, if you look it up in the in the dictionary, like all those little modifiers melt away and it starts with it's a language, it's specific to either these people or this region or whatever, but like it's still a language. Like there's just there's a level of respect that's not there <clears throat> for you know, African-American English that is there for like other variants or something like that. For example, if I said, you know, oh, I speak Mexican Spanish, like nobody, like everybody understands that it's like, okay, yeah, it's the Spanish spoken in Mexico and like the Spanish spoken in Mexico is different from the Spanish spoken in like Puerto Rico or Argentina or Colombia or something like that. Right. You know, there's that level of respect. Like, you know, people look up on a map and they're like, okay, well, the people in Spain, there are people like way over here and then there's people way over here. So obviously there would be some differences and stuff like that in between those two languages. But like there are more ways to get differences in language that don't involve geography. For example, like black folks not being able to, you know, buy houses in certain areas, being relegated to certain areas and relegated to certain jobs and not being able to interact, you know, with white folks. Like if you if you do that, if you keep people that have one version of English away from people who speak another version of English, you will, in fact, create another dialect, you know, in that exact same manner. <clears throat> Um, which is what happened with us. Like a lot of the modifications and solidifications that happened with African-American English happened after, you know, um, the, or happened during the great migration period, um, you know, happened after, you know, slavery and all that stuff, because it was us by ourselves not being allowed to like, you know, be like full members of society and stuff just began to, like change up and solidify and become became what they are now like had we been you know more integrated the entire time this thing probably wouldn't even exist um if you look at like different places in south america for example more black folks went to south america than they did to north america you look at a country like brazil like 55 56 percent of people self-identify as having some form of african ancestry but there's right. not a difference in the portuguese that black people speak versus uh, the the white um brazilian speak or the lighter skinned brazilians or whatever that has a lot to do with they're never being like some form of like ways of keeping people like so separate keeping keeping them from uh, away from each other from not integrating everything that that whole mejor a la raza like where you know you're supposed to try to like breed your darkness out of yourself and all that like and uh, the whole they would deal with the caste systems and everything like that that was like those were people <clears throat> interacting with each other like that right um, that way their language continued to evolve like not apart but like all together therefore there is no you know Brazilian American or black American or was black Brazilian poor I don't even know what you would call it that's the thing <laughs> like, try to come up with a term for it because like it doesn't exist yeah I guess uh, yeah I can't I, right it doesn't exist I can't think of what you would possibly try to call that either um well, I I guess my my next question, another <coughs> elephant in the room question. I but we 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 touched on this a little bit earlier too um, about fluency. Uh, as, as as long as you have fluency, 
it it doesn't sound messy. It doesn't sound kind of ridiculous. So let's say we're in a situation where redlining also, to a the, the minuscule degree, affected poor whites as well. So we have poor white families growing up in predominantly black neighborhoods their right. entire life. This is the story that you always hear in your comments. I grew up around black people my whole life. So this is how I talk. Um, is Is it more of a fluency thing like are is that what we're calling out like hey it, yeah i believe you that you did grow up in this neighborhood i believe that you did grow up around these people but you you're still not nailing the language you're you're still yeah. kind of in between yes yeah, or is it suspect. like they shouldn't <laughs> speak it what do you what do you think on that so like so there's like so you have the people that are like true African American English speakers that you know are not black. I mean that they've always been there. Um, like everybody knows, like probably a few people that you know fit exactly that category. Um, and African American English is not exclusive to black people. That is like one of the things that I need to start that everyone starts to like need to make more clear. Like it's not exclusive to us, even though it's predominantly spoken by us and not all black people speak it. Um, but to talk about like non-black people who speak it, like that grew up in the communities and grew up around it and everything like that. It's like, and regarding regards to fluency, like we can tell, like you can hear, like there are people that are fluent in English where you can tell it's not their first language. Like, and right. some of them, um, in regards to African American English, like there are people that turn it up, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like, okay, cool. You grew up around black people. Why are you at 11 all the time? Like, I, right. I don't I don't talk like that on an eleven all the time. You know? Like <laughs> yeah, I know exactly. plenty of black women that, you know, like occasionally sound like whoa Vicky, but they don't sound like whoa Vicky twenty four seven. Right. You know, there's you know, like he, so it's like why are you always turning this up? But which goes to the, you know, whole element of like are you just doing this, you know, to exploit your skin color? And your proximity to black people to, you know, get some to get something else out of it, you know, to get, you know, some follows, some sort of clout, some sort of deal, whatever is going on. I think that's the main issue that I have. And also those particular people doing stuff like that. It's like they're not advocating for, you know, the native speakers of the language. Like, you know, where where's your video talking about? It's OK for anybody to speak like this. You shouldn't be judging people that speak like this. Those videos are not existent. Like right. you've got a uh, what's the name? Uh, Tom Hanks. On. You got Colin Hanks faking that Jamaican Patois accent. Like, where's his video yeah, right? <laughs> telling, you know, people that actually do talk like that? You know, where's his video advocating for those people saying that it's completely fine, you know, to talk that way? It's non-existent because he's just out there trying to get that paper. So, Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and somebody is asking in the comments, do you think that fluency grants you access to the community or the culture? But I think we just kind of answered that. <laughs> nah. Nah. <laughs> nah. 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 It, it, nah. It, yeah, no, 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 no. It, 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 it really shouldn't. And I, I really do kind of hate when um, white folk compare being poor to being black innately. 
Like, I grew up poor on the South Side, too, blah, 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 blah. I know what it's like. It's like, but that isn't black. All black people aren't just poor on the South Side. That's not. But yeah, exactly. how was that? How was that make you make you, uh, you know, kind of re- relate to us exactly? Like, that's not a that's not a fair. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there. I didn't like I didn't grow up poor or nothing like that. Like, and I still, you know, I still talk like this. My mom talks like that. Like a bunch of people in, in my family talk like that. A bunch of folks with college degrees talk like that. Uh, like my mom, like college graduate. My aunt, like or her sister, college graduate. My grandmother, her mother, college graduate. And we all sound like we all got different versions of African-American English that we be talking. So it's like it's not like a poor thing. I mean, there there are people like that are poor and have like and grew up poor or whatever to talk like this. But like, yo, it's not like you can't extrapolate that and put that on everybody or use that as your excuse. Like if you think it's cool, just say you think it's cool and, and move on. Like, you don't have to try to justify it with, like, oh, you know, like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm like, I'm I'm from the streets, yo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I grew up on yeah, some, yeah, right. some spot. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, yeah, we've we, we been here forever. Like, yeah, this, <laughs> I got a picture with all these black people in it. Yeah, this is my yeah, friend. Right. <laughs> like, so I don't, I, you don't I, need to prove it. <laughs> exactly. You don't. You don't. I, I, I got a buddy of mine that I, you know, um, grew up with and you know we still still real close like love each other's families and stuff and like yeah he did grow up in the hood and he, he grew up around black people more specifically he grew up around black people he lives around black people right now all his neighbors are black and he speaks african-american english every single day because that's what everybody in the neighborhood speaks like there isn't a place for him to go where that's not what they're speaking and if he didn't mesh into the language, he would he would be very 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 out of place. Um, yeah, and usually the people he, that got it like that don't need to show it, don't need to tell us how they got it. Like they they don't make a noise, they don't make no noise about it. They just like yeah, you know, that's how I talk, and and that's it. Right. I always think about it like you know, is if I don't notice you then that means that you're doing it right. Like, if it just comes through fluent and I don't have to think, like, what the hell did you just say? Like, then, <laughs> then, then I think I, then I think it's, it, I, I think it's more legit. But something we're kind of touching on a little bit um, is the black scent. So I've seen different linguists go back and forth on whether or not it exists or whether or not, if it does exist, is it being exploited for gain? So... Is there a particular uh, like pronunciation of words that is indicative of black folk or I guess just African-American English at large? Or is there is there not? Because I think a lot of times when when me and you are saying, you know, they turn it up to 11, like that's what we're talking about. It's this fake exaggerated like minstrelly version of like what a black person is supposed to be like and it's almost an over dramatized like i i don't know i guess black scent but it just feels like a way that people pronounce things but they pronounce them much longer and louder (laughs) so i mean what do you you think about that is the black scent real or is it 
so there there definitely is a black scent at least in my opinion like that is indicative of you know a speaker of african-american english um as far as people using it it's like so it, it goes to fluency for example like if you take like the word fo like or for f-o-r for right so occasionally like we pronounce that like fo but occasionally we pronounce that like fa. Yeah. So like, when is it fo and when is it fa? Like, and you'll notice people that are like, oh yeah, they say fo. And it's like fo, 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 fo. When sometimes they should be saying fa. And it's like, why, why did you, how, why are you talking like that? That's not how we say it. Like, or you notice that people get hold of a phrase. This, this especially happens, you know, with slang, which is, I didn't, <laughs> I, I meant to touch on this when we were talking about slang a little bit. But like every language has slang, mm-hmm. every single one has slang as a you know a different way of saying whatever, and a lot of times like a wider spoken language will take stuff from a more marginally spoken language and use that stuff as uh, as slang. An example of that happening in a different country, for example, is uh, uh, I use another Spanish example because I know Spanish. So like um, there's a part of Spain where when you say you like something in Spanish, you say, like, me gusta. But there's a part of Spain where the people say, me mola. And, like, people, like, the wider um, population of Spain started saying, me mola, like, as a cooler way to say, me gusta. Or they even say stuff like, mola vestido. Like, I like that dress. Where it's like, oh, that dress is cool. You know, so that's an example of, you know, a different, uh, a, you know, wider spoken variant of a language taking something from a smaller variant and using that. Um, it happens a lot with African American English and general English because, like, I mean, we create, <laughs> like, we create the culture, we create, like, the excitement right. behind what we say, and people want a taste of that. But they don't have the fluency. And they take it and they use it in like all kinds of contexts that it wasn't meant for or that we weren't using it in. And it just starts to sound off and weird and everything like that. And then it's like, why are you saying it like that? Like, that's not how we say it, whatever. Like, sometimes it continues to build and build and build and it just becomes the way everybody says it. Sometimes it fades away. Like, um, uh, what was that word? Like, on fleek, for example. Like it got ridiculous and it faded away because white folks wore it out. (laughs) Right. They were using it for everything. Like they were using it for a bunch of stuff it should have never been used for and overused and everything. And now it's gone. RIP. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you saw that tweet. Um, I, I, I forget who it, who the person was. It was like kind of a religious right wing pundit. Um, and she said, <laughs> she she tweeted something along the lines of, um, "Jesus Christ is gonna spin the block for me." Yeah, and black folk collectively, like the best tweet that I saw, and it's it's really interesting. Like a lot of, um, or I guess like TikTok that I saw, like a lot of the videos. Some of my favorite videos is when. Black folk just say the same, it'll be the same words, but they say it a little, there's a little bit of a different, like, emphasis or um, pitch, uh, which we didn't even get a chance to get into that. But I guess I'll, I'll, I'll do it right now, because this this, <laughs> this woman stitches into it, and she's like, is Jesus Christ going to spin the block for me, 
or is he going to spin the block for me? Because those are two different situations. (laughs) And if you don't know the difference, you shouldn't be saying this. And as soon as right, like it's it's just kind of wild to to think of. It's like, oh, I guess people don't I guess people don't innately know this kind of thing. Uh, it's like meme vernacular as opposed to lasting change to the language. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of like kind of like I mean if, I don't know if I see another Target shirt with the word slay on it, I'm I'm gonna freak out. Like uh, you know, it's yeah. it's 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 things like that. It's just like one word kind of plucked out of a yeah. like out of like a phrase, and that's what I think is like. Yeah, is and then the they most got the annoying. Like on fleek, should use it. <laughs> right, that's not the way that you should. You should not everything can be on fleek. <laughs> like yeah. you shouldn't. You should be saying that. Yeah, uh, I read. Uh, oh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was. I was just gonna say. I was uh, gonna ask you if you. What's kind of like? Because I know you've done some videos on them, but like, what's the strangest one? Like that. That that's been the block of Jesus Christ one was the. The like popped in my head, but let's like, what's kind of like the strangest corporate flub with AAE that uh, you've heard? Yeah, it's it is still. I, I did a video on it like uh, over a year ago now, and it's still like the most messed up, ridiculous one I've ever seen. Was uh, the Nike ad where it was like flex that clap back? <laughs> 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 I still can't believe that made it like that made it out into the world like that was on TV. <laughs> That's so wild. I I I don't know it wasn't Nike it was uh it was Beats. It was Apple Beats. Oh. <laughs> it was like there was flex like a girl that clap. Yeah, yeah, flex yeah. that clap back. I forgot. I was talking she's jumping into the comments. I was talking to my wife about it cuz we work in advertising and she's uh she, She's an uh, she's a commercial um, film producer, so she was like, there would have been at least four or five people in the way of this copy getting out. Like they had to go through rooms of people, (laughs) and no one stopped them. Like no, not one person stopped. It was like, hey, yeah, that's not no black folks in the room. (laughs) They got no black folk in the room. Like that's nah, yeah, that's not what a clapback is. You can't flex a clap back. Like, I mean, flex that clap. But but just buying headphones wouldn't be a clap back. It, I, I guess it could be a flex, but like, it was just so much that was wrong with it. Uh, do, you, do you got another one that you could think of? Um, I'm trying to think there's... Like, I haven't done that series in a while. Part of the reason I haven't... Um, made more videos in that series is because a lot of people especially on tiktok were like hey stop explaining this stuff to white folks and i was like you know part of me is um part of me like still wants to do it but like at the same time i can respect that you know somebody might try to use it as a teaching aid or or whatnot and like i don't i don't know and i was i also talked about this uh as well when i was um talking to uh uh, talking to Dr. Hearn and I was like, you know, I have this series where I correct, you know, some African-American English. And she was like, you know, if it's something like particularly egregious or something like that, like I would do it. But otherwise, like you don't need to be like instructing people. Uh, for example, um, 
back during the whole Ebonics fiasco, uh, there was oh, a group man. or whatever that took out that poster, uh, the full page ad in the New York Times that said, uh, I has a dream. Um, and I was, you know, which is, <laughs> and it was like, I forgot, dude, I forgot about say, that. Don't nobody say I has a dream. Ain't no black folks say I has a dream. <laughs> you know? So, like, you know, something like that, yeah, we got to talk about it. But, like, you know, some of, like, the corporate snafus and whatnot, like, it, it makes me cringe. But, like, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, eh, you know what? Like, it, it's better to just, like, point at it and laugh than just, like, make a whole, okay, this is, you know, this is how you properly need to say that and all. You know, because I recognize that on this app and on social media with what, you know, with people farming our stuff, you know, for their own game that, you know, maybe I should keep my mouth shut as far as this is how we actually say it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we've seen so many, so many ads that start off in another country and then just get translated into English and they just like it's like they use Google Translate to do it and they yeah. didn't they didn't have a native speaker in the room <laughs> to check and you see it, I see it a lot with like perfume ads and stuff like that like these French companies and they translate and the sentence is bonkers it's like let the ocean overwhelm upstairs and you're like what is, what were you <laughs> trying to say <laughs> like um Sexy, sexy sentence that they said there, but it's uh, it's 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 like they don't, it, you know, it's like they can't can't figure it out. So I kind of agree with that. Like we don't have to teach them everything. Like we can just yeah. you know, let a couple of things go. But yeah, as, as far as being so on this show, uh, it's a anti racism podcast, and we like to give actionable items at the end of the day. So as far as like supporting. Well, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I almost feel like if there's been like a reclaiming of uh, one professionalism, but not code switching. I've seen that kind of be like more of a thing like, hey, listen, this is how I talk. And you hired me 10 years ago. And this is how I talked then. This is how I'm going to talk now. And I still do my work the same way. Like, I don't like I don't code switch at work. (laughs) it's 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 fine and it's always been it's always been fine um but as far as what people can do is there any actionable thing that somebody can do about this this language is there any i guess like for black folk that are more interested in it, is there any resources that they can, you know, look into, read, or do you have any recos for that? And white yeah. folks who are anti-racist that are like, yo, I want to support the reclamation of a, it's being mainstream in the black community. What, what can I do? Do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. Um, so like as far as books and recommendations and everything, like um, the book uh, you mentioned before, Talking Back, Talking Black uh, by John McWhorter. That's an excellent one. Um, it's also like a pretty like quick read um, as an audio book of it as well. Uh, Talking and Testifying by, uh, uh, of course, I'm going to forget every single author's name, uh, but <laughs> that's a good one. Talking and Testifying. Um, what's another one? Uh, Spoken Soul. Uh, which is mm. by uh, 
uh, Rickford and both of the Rickfords, like John Rickford and his son, uh, whose name I forget, I forget everybody's name, but Spoken Soul. Um, those are some great books you can read. I've got like a link in my uh, in my bio that has like a, uh, a list of some of the different books on African American English you can look at, and that is you know for everybody, for not just for Black folks, for everybody. You want to like do some more research on it and like look at you know the language because it it'll help you. It'll help you realize some stuff some of the underworkings of the language that, you know, maybe you didn't realize existed. Um, as far as like actionable item for, you know, white people and black people that don't think it's a thing and, you know, are super against it because a lot of my biggest detractors like are the same skin color as me. Mm -hmm. Um, is like, you know, just like, is like just have respect for it just like have respect for the way people talk and everything like it's it's easy when you believe you're the expert on something because you do it all the time for example like uh like driving lots of people rate themselves as a better driver than they actually are i'm guilty of this <laughs> i'm guilty, <laughs> guilty of this because right? you drive like every day like you learned how to drive right. you know you went through the classroom you did like all the hours with your permit and everything you got your license you do it all the time you occasionally have to like go take a quick test or something like that like you because right. you do it all the time you feel that you are just an expert in the field like, but you know, you're just driving to and from work and like to your friend's house and like all these other places around the city. You're not like a professional driver or anything like that. Like there, there are other people that actually study, you know, the act of driving that are like actually right. experts in the field. Just because you do it all the time doesn't mean you know everything. You know? Mm. And so like when the people that actually look at the thing say like, yo, this is a real thing. Like, and to have respect for it, you just need to, like, <laughs> stop trying to say, well, well, I've been driving for 20 years. Okay, well, like, are you a professional driver, you know? Like, do you have all this extra stuff with it? Like, what, right. what have you done aside from go back and forth to work in the grocery store and the gym all the time? You know, like, if we say it's a thing, like, if the people, if, if there's a preponderance of evidence showing you that it's a thing, just, like, have respect for it, you know? Um a lot of people like hear something that's different from what they have been used to hearing, what they grew up hearing, you know, from, you know, the people that were around them and they choose mm -hmm. to judge. And it's not just, you know, African-American English, you know, people that have like a, a heavy Southern accent, you know, like you right. know, some of the same, uh, uh, some of the same level, levels of discrimination that we do sometimes. So it's like having respect for the way people talk and recognizing that you know you were in a bubble like that just happened to be a language bubble you know that existed because of you know the people you were raised around what you heard on television you know but that there are other valid ways of speaking like exist and you just need to have respect for them like if you can understand it you're good <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and and actually that's something that somebody always told me i i can't think of the terminology you might be able to step in for me it's like prescriptive versus descriptive right right right, right. so like english so, is a prescriptive language is so um those are the two studies of, in the field of linguistics so you have prescriptive linguistics and you have descriptive linguistics so 
descriptive is what nearly everybody studies. You take a college course in linguistics, you're going to study like descriptive linguistics, which is just studying how the language is being used. Prescriptive is saying this is how the language should be used. This is how you should say, you know, X, Y, Z. This is how this, you know, phrase should be constructed. This is how this word should be pronounced. Descriptive is saying, hey, these folks over here have been pronouncing it like this for like 100 years. Like, right. so, yeah, like be a descriptive. Like everybody is a descriptivist by nature. You know, when you're a kid learning your native language, you don't care about the way you're supposed to pronounce the word for like you just hear a bunch of people saying fo like i got fo of like oh you he got fo of too and then like that kid is going to grow up saying i got fo of you know that's the way it's going to work <laughs> like that is descriptive when that kid goes to school and their teacher is like four not fo four that is descriptive so yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's uh, a buddy of mine was um, helping. He's a, a journalism PhD candidate, and he was he was saying um, he, he was like he was like my my explanation of English is if you can understand it, it's correct. Like we don't need to like grammar Nazis or things like that. He's like if yeah. you can understand what they're saying, and it doesn't make you pause and not understand or miss their meaning. If your language is able to be misunderstood, now we're starting to have a problem where you can say that they're speaking the language wrong. But if they were speaking and you're able to understand what they're saying, uh, there doesn't seem to be a problem. And it kind of feels like he was on that that other side of that analysis of the of the language. I'm just thinking of my two year old. <laughs> you're right. She says one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, yeah. eight, <laughs> and, yeah, and that's because yeah. that's that's how we that's how we talk around the house, and so that's how she learned the word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's we don't need more prescriptivists telling us how to say something. We just need people accepting of people. Because at the end of the day, it's like the way you think about the way people pronounce words or certain words that they use. You know, I've got several videos on the word conversate, for example. Like a lot of people hate it. Like, but you don't really hate that word. You just hate the people who are associated with using that word. You know. Mm. <laughs> that that's where it's going to like at the you know if bill nye the science guy you know made a video and he was like oh well you know me and the rest of the scientists went back to the lab and we conversated for about 20 minutes and we decided that we needed to you know just give it a little bit more time like if, if he was doing that and other people were doing it all of a sudden conversation like would slowly become acceptable but because there's like uh, because people mostly associate that with you know maybe some folks on Judge Judy, uh, <laughs> like who happen to look like me and you, you know it's like oh conversate that's not a word it's like I get sent so many videos about conversate now and it's like, like I want to attack every single one and, and I do like a few months like every few months I'm like conversate not a word let's talk about conversate again but at the end of the day it's like. It's not the language or the word you have a problem with. It's like what you think of the people that are using that language and that word. That's where it, it all comes back to having respect. You know, if you have respect for the way someone sounds, you are more likely to have respect for that person. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, somebody just dropped in the comments, inevitable and compromise of the two words. I don't say this the way people typically say them, and I cannot think of a different way to say those words at all. <laughs> Maybe write it phonetically. I can uh, give you a little anecdote of when I was in middle school and I got bullied by the director of a play um, because I could not pronounce. Okay, so you know the thing that you write with? And then the thing that you put on, like you put on your shirt, those two words, I could not, those were the same word to me. (laughs) (laughs) I, I would say, um, I would say pen, like every, for, for everything. That's a pen. You pen it on there. And then he was like, no, it's pin. And I still, to this day, in my 30s, have to consciously think of pronouncing that word like that because my, like, inkling is to change that I sound to an E sound. And that's right. called something, and I don't know what it's called. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, I don't know the terminology on that one either. But uh, I can tell you why that is. So, like, Sweet. as children... <laughs> Like any child, you know, any baby has the ability to hear and differentiate between any sounds that exist in language. But as you get older, like you begin to just zero in and focus on only the sounds that you are hearing, like from the people that, you know, you're learning your language from, you know, your family, your friends, like whatever environment you're raised in. Uh, This is why Japanese have such a hard time with R's and L's. Because like the like saying R like uh, what's the what's the R um, like Mingo for example Apple Apple is Mingo in in Japanese but like it, it's this weird sort of sound that exists somewhere between an R and an L like but they have a hard time hearing the difference between right and light the same thing with you and right. pin and pin right so like basically like there's no one there was no one in their circle that was making the extra sounds that they needed to be able to hear and differentiate between and hone in on. Therefore they have a trouble like hearing that distinction when somebody is pronouncing like two different R sounds and they have trouble reproducing it. Just like you have trouble reproducing like pin and pen because like you most likely grew up around people that pronounce both of those the same and you never got to hone in on what the difference between like those two pronunciations are. Yeah, um, exactly. Like that's how that's how my grandparents talked on um, both both sides. That's how my parents talked. It's it's it, to me. I was like blown away and like completely embarrassed, but like just blown away that I I couldn't hear it, and that was like the thing that sticks out to me the most. As like we ran that line so many times, and I would run out, I would hit my mark, and I would go, and I would say the line, and he would go, "No, it's pin, it's pin," and the whole time I'm like, "That's what I said." And then I would I asked everybody else like, and like I'm like, "Is that what I said?" And they were like, "No." <laughs> like you said pen and I was like oh uh, are you sure because I meant that's the word that I meant but to me that was how you always that's how you always pronounce those things but I will let you get running here so for the folks that just walked in or just tuned in or just starting to pay attention uh, again what is your name what do you do and where can people find you so 
My name is E.K. Powell. Um, I go by What's Good English here on TikTok and on Instagram and on YouTube. Um, I have a Twitter, but I'm not active there, so don't worry about that one right now. <laughs> and um, I talk about a lot of language-related stuff. I make a lot of stuff, a lot of videos about African-American English, but I talk about other languages as well, language learning in general. Uh, and you'll see some other stuff. Uh, I talk about... <laughs> Uh, different shows you can watch to help you learn different languages, whatever language you want to. Like I, I was talking about, uh, I was talking about Spanish last week, uh, but I've also done stuff on like German. Uh, I'm talking about French next week, um, and yeah, you might see me like cook something as well on <laughs> my stuff. But stuff. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So all the socials, what's good English? Uh, if you're on the podcast stream, you'll see all the links down below. Uh, but EK, I love you, brother. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me for a little bit and talking yeah, about absolutely. black English and all that. Yeah, it was super fun. Thanks for the invite. Huh? <laughs> absolutely, man. All right. Peace, y'all. Yep. Thank you so much for tuning into the Conscious Environment Podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it for you. Thank you again to EK for coming on and talking with me. I feel like I learned so much from you about my own language, which I think is a rare day when somebody's able to say that. So thank you, thank you, thank you, brother, so much for doing that for me. If you want to support the show financially, there are Cash App and Venmo links down below, um, but there's also Bonfire links to our merch site if you want to support that way and you know pick up a couple of shirts if you can't support the show financially i completely understand um if you could just give us five stars write a review um also hit that download button for some reason that means a ton in the podcast world uh tell your mama about the show she'll probably love it and one more thing that i always want you to remember remember i love you and you should stay hydrated and drink water like right now go drink water right now Okay, I'll see you guys next week.